Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin, and I have a fantastic episode for you today. What we're going to be talking about is one of the most important concepts that you need to understand in order to live healthy and happily. And I'm very privileged to have two experts on this topic with us today who will be providing some fantastic information on this topic, as well as some suggestions on tools and tips for what you can do about it. And with us, we have Matt Berg and Dr. Jessica Payne, who is the, oh God, Dr. Payne, would you just give us your background here? The only thing that's in, that's important is I'm a professor of psychology at Notre Dame. Oh, you are coming. It's got to say you got that chair position. You're the who I, and I'm who? in the Nancy O'Neill Collegiate Chair. Yes, yes. I'm associate professor of psychology at Notre Dame. I run the Sleep, Stress, and Memory Laboratory here. So, what we are talking about, obviously, if you kind of got that gist from Dr. Payne, there is sleep and the importance of sleep. And this is a very interesting story here. And Matt, why don't you tell us how you got involved in sleep? Sure, Kevin. Yeah. Um, uh, I took Jess's class actually as a senior um, back around uh, 2012 now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know I, that class was uh, life changing to say the least for me. Um, you know, probably one of the three classes if I could do you know college all over again, I would uh, take for sure. In the sense that um, it basically told me I was doing everything wrong when it came to sleep as a student. Um, you know, Jess's class really helped me to see just how active the brain is when you're sleeping and how important sleep is. If you're trying to learn anything um, at a high level, um, especially as a student when you're being uh, thrown just, you know, huge volumes of information over and over again at you constantly, um, you know, every day. And, you know, here here at Notre Dame especially, and I'm sure this is the way at most campuses, but there's this sort of culture of, um, you know, I'm the first one in, last one out, work very hard, you know, kind of pull all-nighters and um, whatnot. And, uh, you know, that's really... You know, I found out in my case I was completely wrong in the way I was doing things. So um, this this class changed my life, um, and something that almost immediately I start I've you know since I've been protecting my sleep. You, know, you can't get a hold of me past ten thirty, and I, I try and nap almost every day now just because of really the impact this class had on me. Um, so fast forward to today, and um, you know I came to Jess about a year ago and said, you know, Jess, how can we maybe find a way to get this to other students because, you know, if I benefited from this in just my senior year, you know, how great would have this been if I was a freshman and got this information um, to me sooner? And so that's really the process of this started um, for Somni and uh, developing this product. So Matt, you, you talked about this was a, a, a class you took your senior year. What were you doing before then? How was your sleep before that? Did you have problems with insomnia or were you just voluntarily staying up all night and doing those things that you now know not to do. Yeah, I'd say, um, you know, I, I would say I was, you know, I don't know what the average is for students, but I would, I would guess that I was uh, in the average uh, being poor as far as a student goes, you know, having my phone next to me, staying up late, uh, pulling all-nighters, you know, caffeine too late in the day to stay awake, um, you know, um, not being consistent about my sleep routine. Um, you know, not knowing or understanding how, you know, alcohol affects, you know, the way I sleep, um, various things that I just wasn't aware of. And, um, 
all around just a terrible sleeper. So as a student, which is, you know, common. <laughs> yeah, I would say par for the course in, in college. So now, and, and I think one of the things about that is as students, you may I mean, I'm impressed that you actually recognize that because I think most of us when we went through school, you have more resiliency when you're younger, you can actually recover somewhat better. And it's only when you're older and, and Dr. Payne, you can comment on this. If you I noticed things dramatically changed after the age of 35. And sleep became no longer, you know, something I could skate through. But when you start getting chronic insomnia and you are no longer sleeping well, everything in your life changes dramatically. Um, and can you comment on that, Dr. Payne? Absolutely. I think you're right. I think we can get away with a lot when we're younger. And um, I think one of the reasons you see students depriving themselves of sleep is because they recover a lot more quickly. They are more resilient. Um, one of the things that worries me, though, is I do think, and there's some preliminary evidence to, to support this, that a lot of the habits that we develop, even in college and certainly in early, in our early adulthood, really predict how we're going to behave in middle age and later adulthood. And so if you have really sporadic sleep habits, habits in college, and um, this is especially true if you're, if you're predisposed at all to anxiety, insomnia, but I think it's true anyway, you're habits really do get ingrained a little earlier than I think most of us realize. And so I'm, I'm concerned about two things. One is just for the students. Um, I think that the, that the way they're sleeping or not sleeping as the case may be is certainly not helping them perform, you know, in the college classroom and at a place like Notre Dame where everybody is so ambitious, they've just got the wrong message. There's this, I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality. Of course, to that, my answer is always, well, you're going to die a lot sooner than if you're not going to sleep. Um, but it's it's sort of the antithetical to learning, right? So that's one problem. But as a psychologist, the other thing that I worry about is we know that a lot of young adults around the age of 18, 19, even earlier in some cases, a little bit later in others, um, that's often where the first depression episode hits. It's where anxiety disorders start to develop. And part of me um, wonders if that's not at least in part tied to people's sleep habits. And so one of the things we're interested in in the lab is figuring out how to get people sleeping better early on in the hopes that we'll reduce the number of, of students who develop these disorders and, then, and set them up better for healthy sleep routines and habits later in life. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And I think and two important takeaways for me is if you're a student listening to this, if you're a young person, is number one, if you aren't sleeping, you're not learning. So this whole idea of, and I, I you know, when you were talking about all-nighters, there was a group of people in medical school that would routinely, <coughs> routinely, every night before the exam would do these all-nighter things. Um, and again, I don't have the evidence to support it, but I would say that they probably didn't do really well as compared to some of us who actually went to sleep when you were tired and woke up. And it seemed like you actually processed information a little bit better, mm -hmm. that you actually took the test a little bit better. There was a point where your brain just shut off. So if you really want to get the most out of your college education, you really want to come ahead, it's the sleep part for that. But the anxiety and depression thing, as you know, again, it, it's hard as a college student sometimes to process all this stuff happening to us because we're so involved in the moment. But as you get older, that's such a big deal. And have, have you done any research on, you know, from my understanding, Lack of sleep is a pro-inflammatory state, and there is a tie mm -hmm. between depression and, and inflammation in the body. Have, have you seen anything like that when you're looking in your lab? So I don't study inflammation, although that's a really interesting link. That's not my area of specialty. Um, but what I can say is one of the things we've looked at is that, you know, historically sleep problems, whether you're sleeping too much, much more common, it's too little, is treated as a symptom of depression, for example. But the newest evidence suggests that it's most likely not just a symptom, it may be causal. And so it, the sleep 
issues tend to develop first and predict the depression. And it's very clear that that's an interesting place to intervene. So that's more what we study along clinical lines in my lab. The rest of what my lab does is look at sleep and the way it impacts learning, memory, creativity, decision-making, a whole host of different cognitive processes which just suffer if you're not sleeping. So I'm interested in that clinical element. I'm also interested in the cognitive element. And a big mission of the lab right now is to put that all together so that we understand how sleep and stress interact to impair the brain and everything the brain's responsible for doing, which is a lot, obviously. Now, you also do some work with like some high-powered executives, too, don't you? I remember you lectured to them and talking about on this subject with them. Yep, yep. So I have a, um, I have a, a professional speaking, consulting, executive coaching business on the side, and I work with a lot of different companies, um, a whole host of different types of companies, too, from high finance to healthcare to um, PR firms to advertising. And it's become very clear to me that sleep is just a ubiquitous problem. People aren't getting enough sleep. They're under way too much stress. And so it's become part of my mission to figure out how to help not just students, again, with the idea of sort of stopping this before it starts and gets really entrenched and problematic, um, but how to help people who are living in this fast-paced, 24-7 chaotic world. It's really getting people to understand how to work with as opposed to against the the natural inclinations of the brain and to feel okay about needing breaks, to understand that it's important to go offline. And I've just been surprised at how much buy-in. I, there's really, I, I expected a lot of pushback, a lot of naysaying, and I just haven't encountered a lot of that even in some of the um, highest levels of finance, for instance. I think people know it's a problem. I think people know that they're pushing themselves too hard. And it's almost as if they're just looking for permission um, <laughs> to take a step back and to slow down a bit. And so I think what's happening is when I get up there with my you know, credentials that you just listed, and I talk to them about what's happening in their brain, they get a little bit more of a clear picture of the why they're not feeling good, why they're not functioning, why they're having sleep issues, why they're not performing at their best. And that's where it starts. That's where it starts to get them to buy into some of the very actionable items I give them to, to affect behavior change. How did you get interested in this topic then? In sleep? In sleep. Well, I mean, so historically, I've been a terrible sleeper. My, it runs in my family. My mother, everybody on that side of the family is, is uh, like really atrocious sleeper. Insomnia runs in my family. But actually, that's not how I got into it. I got into it. I went to graduate school and studied um, the relationship of stress and stress hormones to memory function and, um, and just came up with a real clever theory about dreaming that put together sleep, memory consolidation, cortisol, which is the primary stress hormone, and the, when the way our dreams um, come across as so fragmented, bizarre, hyper-emotional, and really just by chance that got read, it was very well-received, and I ended up switching gears and doing a postdoctoral fellowship in sleep instead of in stress, so it was kind of an accident <laughs> in a way, but there's a little part of me that wonders if maybe, you know, there's this, there's this element that, you know, in not being able to sleep well, um, given that both of my parents are clinical psychologists, I think I've always had a desire to help. And this is a way of me putting together a academic cognitive neuroscience research practice with a little bit of, a, of an outreach component. So can we, we've touched on a little bit here, but what happens when you are sleep deprived? Let's, can we just talk about the chronic problems that develop? Yeah. So, I mean, so in the short term, we know that um, a couple of pretty immediate and scary things happen. So the most recently evolved part of your brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, that's right behind your eyeballs, you know, right behind your forehead, 
um, starts to function very poorly. And that's a problem because it's sort of the seat of um, rationality, decision-making, emotion regulation. It helps you regulate stress. Uh, there's a, a part of that area called the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, which puts a break on a real sort of evolutionarily primitive structure called the amygdala, which is important for emotion and especially negative emotions. And so if you lose the ability to put that break on um, your negative sort of emotions, then you not only become more stressed, but you become more negative. You become prone to these negativity biases in your environment, um, which we think actually really do um, at least exp- in part why people become prone to a lot of these mood and uh, these affective disorders like depression and anxiety. So, and then if you play that out over time, you know, I don't know that the studies exist (laughs) looking at what people routinely do to themselves for sometimes decades at a time, but I can tell you that it doesn't take just like a single night of sleep deprivation to see the brain change like that. We know that if you curtail sleep just by, you know, a couple of hours each night for five nights, uh, things look pretty much the same, if not worse. So you're really changing neural processing in a way that's that's just terribly unhealthy for the ability to do everything that you need your brain to do for you during the day, like make good decisions, um, like have insight into problems, like regulate a negative emotions. Sleep is sort of a built-in emotion regulator, regulator, and the relationship between sleep and stress is very, very sort of deeply ingrained in the brain and the body. And so... Um, I think people just don't have a very good understanding of, of what it means when they're walking around stressed out and sleep deprived. It just, it's just become ubiquitous. People just say, well, everybody's stressed, you know, everybody's sleep deprived. What am I supposed to do about it? So I'm now on this soapbox. <laughs> I'm now on a mission to really get people to understand um, that they're really taking a lot of unnecessary risks if they're living like that. And I'm trying to help everybody from college students to corporations restructure um, things so that it really does come down to change of a, of a, of a cultural mm-hmm. mentality. You know, we're this we're descendants of Puritans, right? It's this, it, it is this. I'll sleep when I'm dead. It is this kind of crazy work ethic culture. And there's just a, you know, I guess we've gotten as far as we have. You know, using these what I think are really incorrect principles. I have a lot of people say, yeah, but look, I'm really successful, even though I only slept four hours all through medical school, or even though I only slept, even now, only sleep four or five hours a night. And my answer to that is, well, you don't know how many mistakes you're making, number one, and two, you don't know how much better you could be, because you haven't tested out the alternative. And so... You know, I I was watching a video of you, and I'm going to link this in the show notes, guys, so you'll have it uh, when we're done here. But um, it was your sleep talk in 2012, and you had a very interesting point because you were talking about the average of sleep, and it's widely publicized in the media. You need eight hours of sleep, mm-hmm. seven and a half hours being whatever, the perfect cure. And you were saying is it really depends on you. And so mm-hmm. my, you know, my comment on that is when you're talking about someone who's sleeping four to five hours of sleep or a night, if they're, getting, if they're feeling rested the next day, mm-hmm. is that a problem versus they're not being rested? Because I think yeah, there's a, a really difference there. Point. There's, there's a big difference there. So, you know, we talk about sleep as if everybody needs eight hours when eight hours is really just an average. It's true that the vast majority of people need between seven and nine hours, and that's where we get that average. And so most people really should be sleeping somewhere around eight in order to feel truly well-rested and be at their best. But if you actually look at sleep in terms of its distribution, it's normally distributed. That's the bell curve, right? And so what that means is if you think about that bell and the two tails, the, the, the parts that flare out, you actually can have people that only sleep four or five hours a night. You have people who need more like 11 or 12 hours a night. They're just extremely rare. And so when somebody comes up to me and says, 
you know, I only need four hours a night. I usually have a few questions for them. Just like if somebody says, look, I'm sleeping routinely 10 and 11 hours a night and I'm exhausted. So if somebody is sleeping 10 and 11 hours a night and they're exhausted, I don't think, oh, they're just on that end of the spectrum. I think they probably have sleep apnea. And um, if they are sleeping only four hours a night, I get real serious about asking them, do you really feel good? Or are you just getting by on? There's a big difference between I can get by on five, six hours and I feel at my best. But you're right, there is variability and there are some people who are what we call short sleepers and there are some that are long sleepers. So the real question to be asking yourself if you're listening to this is how much sleep do you need to feel truly good? And, and, and I think that's the important point because you know, I thought that was fascinating about that four to five hours because I think I've met three people in my life that had that. And what was very interesting about those those people who were only sleeping four to five hours a night is they didn't ever complain about sleep. They never right. said they were tired. In fact, what they were doing is one guy had three companies that he set up and he was just like walking around. You know, most high energy person I've ever met in my life, which is by far and away not normal folks. But right. if you happen to be one of those rare people, count yourself lucky. Um, what was I going to, I had another little question here I was going to ask you about, and it had to do with memory and sleep. Could you go on a little bit more on the memory aspects of sleep and how sleep actually consolidates our memories and actually makes our lives better? All right. So sleep is one of the most powerful things you can do for memory. You know, when Matt was saying he was doing everything wrong, it's sort of like the worst recipe for learning is to do two things. It's to, it's to cram for example, for an exam and to sleep deprive yourself. And that's what most people do on college and I would imagine medical campuses um, in order to get by. But we know that in order to really learn and remember things, you need to do two things. One of them is to, rather than binge or call what's called mastery practice, you wanna stagger it, meaning that you wanna be studying iteratively, you know, multiple times in order to really kind of interleave and commit things to long-term memory. And you also need to sleep in order to consolidate. So one way to think about this is that the brain can't really do very well, you know, if it's online all the time. So it, when you're online, you're awake, you're alert, you're acquiring information, you're learning new things, you're being bombarded, frankly, with a lot of stimulation. And there's a limit to how much the brain can take in before it needs to then go offline, which is what sleep really is. It's the ideal offline state. And when the brain's offline, it processes that information, it commits it to memory, Consolidation simply means committing memory to long-term storage, but sleep does more than that. It also transforms and restructures information so that you can see patterns, so that you can come up with different ways of organizing information, see connections that maybe you wouldn't otherwise see. And the brain can't really both take information in or require learn new information and consolidate at the same time. So for people who just think that working longer means working better, take a minute to think about that because your brain really needs to be doing both. You need to be going online, offline, online, offline, taking new information in, processing and restructuring it, putting it away. It's kind of like cleaning the cache of the brain. So or clean, that's, cleaning your desktop. You know, exactly. If you just keep putting papers and papers and papers on top of your desktop, eventually you can't find anything, you can't write on anything without scribbling on anything else. It's so a it's great analogy. Taking out those papers and resorting them and clearing the desk again before you get started. Yep. So if you want to be, you know, an ideal learner, if you, it's actually true of any type of performance, whether you're talking about athletic performance or cognitive performance, sleep is one of the most powerful tools you have at your disposal. Yeah, it's very interesting. And, and Matt, so what changed in your life after going through Dr. Payne's course? How did you notice a change in your performance? Did you notice a change in your life? Yeah, that's <clears throat> obviously it's pretty anecdotal. Um, so 
but for me it's the quality of like well-being um and uh just my subjective attention uh, memory span um in my decision making process i felt um drastically improved um you know i felt like i was able to to see connections on things that i otherwise wouldn't have um part of when i um you know, practice I started after this class was, was trying to implement a, a nap at least some some part of my day, whether it's 20 minutes or longer, if I can squeeze it in, you know. Um, but from that, I just feel like I've, I've, I almost get now like two days out of, you know, one. Um, and I think it allows me to, you know, insights and ideas that may, you know, instead of only coming around once a day, they come around twice a day because of the nap and sort of, you know, being refreshed and whatnot. So I've, I've had a lot of, I think, improvement there. Um, my emotional regulation, I've, I've noticed, is uh, is much more. Um, I guess what's the right word, but uh, re- regulated in the sense that it's, it's just there's less erratic. Um, and let's uh, let's clarify emotional regulation, just in case someone out there doesn't know what that term means. Yeah, sure. Uh, in the sense of just um, you know, uh, from day to day, when you're you know you're hit with like life stressors or things you have to deal with, you're just much more. Um, I guess being calm within the storm, so to speak. Um, so if someone cuts you off while you're driving, you don't want to run them down and bang them, you know, punch <laughs> them out or anything like that. think about that is you're less emotionally reactive, okay. right? Like you actually, you don't just react. You can take a second to think about the best way of dealing with something. You're also less cranky, less irritable, less likely to shout at your kid, you know, all of that sort of stuff. The things that make us more pleasant to be around. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh, all right. So you were touching on naps. And what I want to actually ask about here is naps sort of have a pro and a con approach to them. So if you look at a lot of the sleep hygiene sites and they're saying you have trouble with insomnia, sometimes they say eliminate naps and do sleep restriction. But yet naps can also be beneficial. So how, how do we approach napping in an effective manner to make us? Yeah, that's, that's that's simple. If you have at all any trouble with insomnia, do not nap. It's that simple. Um, because napping will throw off your circadian rhythm, and um, and it is a it's a problem because it, it actually perpetuates and worsens a condition like insomnia. So let me be really clear about that: napping is not good for people who struggle with insomnia. If you don't struggle with insomnia, napping is one of the best things you can do. So it is a little bit ironic in that way. Um, and we're also talking about very very short naps here. So you know you really don't want to be most people, most working people. I mean Matt may be a little bit different because when he was a college student, maybe he could afford an hour and a half nap, and it takes about ninety minutes, an hour and a half to go through a full sleep cycle, and so that's one option. Um, but for most of us, we don't have that kind of time, and so you really don't want to be napping longer than you know twenty minutes maximum, because if you do, you risk going into this deep slow wave sleep, which is very nourishing, but it's also really tough to come out of. That's where you suffer from what we call sleep inertia. You feel very groggy. You know, you're certainly not going to feel bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to face the rest of your day. So short naps keep you in a very light stage uh, to sleep, and and that's really what you want to hit. So you're going to get some cognitive benefits there, and you're going to feel refreshed. If you, you know, go into slow wave sleep, you're in trouble. Everybody's been there before. Where that's where you, you know, you just you're so tired, you fall asleep, and then let's say you have to get up for a meeting, and you can barely pull yourself out of bed. Um, maybe sometimes you just simply can't, and so you cancel. And that's not what we want. We want naps to be refreshing, so you want to keep them short. Great, great points there. And uh, there's something to the whole siesta culture out there. Yeah, I really think there is. I really think that packaging. I mean, Matt's point about two days in one is actually pretty powerful. It's a really interesting way of thinking about it because. You know, it may be that in these siesta cultures where they're sleeping for an hour and a half or so during the day, they really are, 
you know, sort of taking whatever they encountered, learned, were exposed to during the first part of the day, and they have consolidated it. They've, they've filed it away, and their, their minds are clear. Again, it's that cleaning the cache idea so that when you come back to part two of the day, you're not just refreshed physically, but your brain is actually more sort of open and ready to absorb new knowledge. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. If you want to be twice as productive, put yeah. in a second sleep or second there you sleep go. nap. Right. People, nap people. Oh, all right. So we've touched on a little bit here about the harms of sleep, and we've touched a lot on the cognitive memory aspects, particularly for students and things like that. Memory consolidation, the emotional part, which I really think people underestimate the fact that when you are stressed out, you're anxious, you're depressed. You become very, you know, not pleasant to be around. But there's a huge amount of physiologic health that's involved with this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you go do you talk about that at all? Or, you know, the, the effects on the actual body from lack of sleep? So for me, not so much. I'm a neuroscientist and, you know, not having an MD, I'm careful not to overstate things. But because of the tie-in with the stress system and inflammation, it's, it is much bigger than just the brain. I mean, we know that there's a connection between... Um, apnea and heart disease, for instance, we know that there's a connection. Most likely, it's beginning to look pretty certainly between um, chronic sleep deprivation and different dementing diseases. So I get into that a little bit. Um, typically, it's when I'm asked specific questions, just because I like to stay, you know, comfortably within my realm of expertise. But it goes without saying that sleep is just as important for the body as it is for the brain. And I'll just add on there: if you're looking at pain, it's probably one of the worst things that you can do is be yes. sleep deprived. It is absolutely horrendous for you. All right, so we've talked about these problems here. What, what are we going to do about it? Because I don't want to just everybody go out there and go, oh, i got to sleep, but they don't need to do. So what can we do to sleep better and feel better? Okay, and that's I'll let you take that one if you want to. Sure, yeah, well, we've, uh, we've tried to figure that problem out, and that's where we think so many comes in, um, or we know so many comes in. It's a membership for uh, integrating uh, sleep into your life in a seamless fashion. Um, and doing that by creating positive, positive, meaningful behavior change. Um, so what Somni is is a combination of uh, tools that you can use to turn anywhere you're sleeping into an ideal sleep environment, um, as well as a application that um, you can access from any anywhere that there's internet to um, not only track your sleep to raise your awareness of it, but also to um, get a better uh, foundational understanding of sleep. Uh, with video lectures and content uh, right from uh, the source of sleep, so to speak. <laughs> the source Dr. of sleep. <laughs> Big title. <Yeah>. But <laughs> I don't know if I call myself the source of sleep, but yeah, the idea is we're trying to um, get people to develop better sleep habits and sleep cues. Um, you know, Somni is a sleep box or a sleep kit with convenient items like uh, eye mask earplugs lavender spray which not only is relaxing from an aromatherapy point of view but it's a great way of developing a healthy sleep cue so every time you spray this lavender on your pillow over time your brain associates that with sleep it helps you get sleep faster and more easily in different environments so there's what's in the kit um but really, that's stuff that you could buy at CVS. Well, you might have to go to several different stores. And, and before so we get makes, into that, can we, we I just want to can I interrupt you. I'm sorry to interrupt you here, but really important is the sleep environment. So, what besides yes. you know, what can people do with their sleep environment before Somni? Like, is there something? What is an ideal sleep environment? So, the ideal sleep environment is well. First of all, probably the most important thing um, for everybody. This is especially true again for people with insomnia, but for everybody, is really you should never be using your bedroom. Um, well, I guess some people live in New York, <laughs> right, in studio apartments. And in that case, you should never be using your bed for anything other than sleep and sex. 
You shouldn't be working in bed. You shouldn't be reading in bed. You shouldn't be checking your phone in bed. So that's probably important point number one. Secondarily, you should be trying your best to go to sleep and to wake up at roughly the same time each day. Again, that's particularly important for people with sleep disorders, but really all of us should be making an effort to do that. You want to be sleeping in a cool environment, um, not cold, but certainly cool. And you want to have control over light cues as well. So you should be able to block out light. Um, and you obviously don't want to be sleeping with the television on since that's going to be disruptive both auditorily and in terms of the light that it emits. So, and these are all things you can Google. If you Google healthy sleep hygiene, these tips will come right up. And so, you know, that's what everybody should be doing. And I actually believe that if people were more rigorous about that, we'd have a lot better sleepers in this society. Um, but, and that's what Somni's trying to do, right? It's trying to, it's well, a really, I think, but I think, go ahead. I was going to say that, that, that was what I was trying to lead into here with this is a lot of the stuff is common sense and a lot of the stuff is yes. easily available on the internet, but for whatever reason, it's the application for it. And I think that's what you've really devised with Somni is a, is a way to take this right. information and then actually apply it in an effective manner, which is just beautiful. That's right. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And so it's a, it's really a, a process that gives you, it's, it's both the how and the why. Okay. And I guess the what, because you have products in that kit that are going to help you sleep better if you use them um, effectively. And by the way, it's not that you need to use everything in it. Some people aren't going to want the lavender spray. Some people are going to hate the earplug. So it's not like you need to be utilizing all of it. So it's sort of trial and error. But we've done some pretty exhaustive testing. And these are the things that really can turn crappy sleep environments like hospitals and dorm rooms into much better sleeping environments. Um, it's the same for, you know, air travel. And if you're suddenly in a hotel that's unfamiliar to you, especially if it's loud, um, God, I'm in New York city a lot and it's, you just almost can't find a quiet hotel in New York city. So we think this has pretty broad applicability, but it's, it's, it's the products being paired with the explanation. And I think, you know, yeah, you can Google this. It's really easy to find. It is common sense. I think people don't understand what the risks are if they're not taking this stuff seriously, number one. And I also don't know that they really have the, the information about how much they're going to benefit and why that happens. And so it's really a way of, rather than putting a negative spin on it and hear all the horrible things that are going to happen to your brain and body if you don't sleep, my take is that it's better to motivate people through the positive message of how many ways their lives are going to get better in terms of their learning, in terms of their mental health, um, even in terms of their physical health, if they start to take their sleep more seriously. And so that's where that, you know, sleep tracking comes in. It's sort of like if you have a Fitbit, right? Like maybe you don't get your 10,000 steps every day, but suddenly you're aware if you're not moving. Somebody's going to do the same thing. But again, you know, you can buy sleep trackers too. So this is a way of putting it all together. It's the products you need to, to, to really get a um, healthy sleep environment no matter where you are. It's the information about the why this is important. I think that's what makes it really unique is the scientific back, you know, content. That's where the videos come in from me. Um, and then the and then the um, the tracking information that'll help raise awareness. Now, and those we think that's the magic recipe for behavior change. Yeah, I I, I love those points because I, I you're using conditioning. I like that with the lavender order. We think conditioning is underutilized. We have too much negative conditioning in our lives rather than right. positive conditioning. And then tracking, you know, really what what we don't measure doesn't matter. And if you're tracking right. it, you'll become aware of it, and so you're becoming focusing your attention on it, which makes a lot of sense. And then just adding what sounds like. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for is, is your with your monthly video or is I don't know if it's a monthly video or is a, how, how are you delivering those videos? Well, I mean, so there'll be different options, the, okay. um, but one will be daily, you know, so you can get a 
you'll, you'll track your sleep and have like a different video or sleep tip daily. So the, the video tips then provide something a little bit new and interesting, which is also mm-hmm. good for the brain. We are attracted to that newness and things and retain that. A little yeah, I think, that, I think that asking people to, to change something without really understanding the why um, is sort of a fool's errand. I think people need to have more information about why sleep is so important, and that's what we're looking to do. And a lot of what I'm, what I'll be talking about in these videos is the power of habit. And so we're looking to take, you know, to take things that should be simple but aren't because of our chaotic world, and make them habitual. And so, for instance, going back to the lavender example, that's a pretty implicit cue. But if your brain learns to associate that with sleep, then it's going to become a powerful, you know, cue to, to trigger sleep. And that's what we want to build into this. You're right; it is conditioning, and it's a way of looking for different ways to get people sleeping better. Um, without any kind of pharmacological intervention. It's really through healthy sleep habits and a basic understanding of uh, foundational sleep. So really what Matt set out to do um, was to <laughs> give people access to my foundational sleep course, but in you know a very, very short period of time and in a much more interesting way than sitting in a classroom for an entire semester. Bite-sized chunks so you can digest a little exactly. bit easier. No tests. And, and no, no tests. And no That's tests. Sick. Unless you really want a test. You gotta you have to have something some deadlines in there, right? A little bit of so. All right. Well, um, where can people find you guys and where can they find Somni if they're interested in this? Sure, yeah. Well um, we have a, a, a website, uh, puresomni.com. Um, which there you know, you can definitely go check us out there. Uh, we have an active Kickstarter campaign as well. We are um, we're we're Trying to raise some some funds to um, start to make this, you know, get closer to, um, you know, really getting solving the needs of so many who, who need it with sleep, um, and that's one of the mechanisms we're, we're working on. So if anyone, um, you know, struggles with sleep or knows someone or, or a student, we we definitely would love for you to check us out and uh, consider supporting us there because um, every bit helps. Um, and you know, if they want to email us, please feel free. Uh, we're hello at puresomni.com. Um, I don't know if you can put that in the, the show notes, Kevin, but we, we're happy to interact with our um, our customers and or anyone who, who'd like to follow up more with us. Fantastic. And any final words there, Dr. Payne? I just hope uh, lots of people listen to this and pay this word forward, whether you're trying to get your kids to sleep better, whether you're uh, you know a busy middle-aged adult in the workforce, whether you're a an older adult who thinks that I, I don't need as much sleep as I age, which also isn't true. I hope that you'll listen to this because sleep is key. All right, folks. And, and I just want to emphasize that again, because sleep really is huge for your health. And we've talked about the four foundational things that you need to do. You need to eat real food. You need to move daily. You need to avoid toxins, which includes people, places, and things. But that last one, when we talk about stress, managing stress, if you really want to reset your life, Proper sleep is absolutely critical, and it's an easy way to start. All right. Okay. Until next time, everybody. If you have questions, let me know. But we will see you on the next episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. Thanks.